Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading today comes from Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 to 16, 20 to 24. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As the shepherd seeks out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the watercourses, and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and mountain heights, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice." Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And indeed, in our second reading this morning from Matthew, the 25th chapter, we hear about the King of Kings. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left hand. And then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you? or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left hand, You who are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry? Or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? And then Jesus will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I can see how excited You all are to be here today on Christ the King Sunday, right? I mean, that's why you came, Christ the King Sunday, right? We all know about it, don't we? It's the last Sunday in the liturgical year. The liturgical year is a little different than the Gregorian year, and it starts on the first Sunday of Advent. It prepares us for the birth of Christ. It takes us through that birth. Then, and you won't want to miss this either, there's the second Sunday in January. That's the baptism of our Lord. So please don't miss that Sunday either. And then that marks the official start of Jesus' ministry. And we hear about his ministry. And then we go into Lent. And then we go into Holy Week and Easter and Pentecost, and we have weeks in there that we call ordinary time where we hear the ordinary stories of Jesus. So now that you know all about the church calendar, I can tell you about Christ our King, who we read about in Matthew 25. It brings us an image of Jesus on the throne, and in fact, in many Bibles, it is headlined, The Final judgment. Jesus is separating all the nations, notice, all the nations like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. Many of us read this text as a judgment text, but I am suggesting to you this morning that it is something different, something more than a simple text about a final judgment. It is an imperative call as to how we want to live our life today, right here and right now. Alex challenges us almost weekly on becoming or being a Matthew 25 church. We have a beautiful piece of art that is hung out in our lobby that reminds us as we come and as we go just what it is that Matthew 25 says. It was art that was done by Don Kosh, a friend of our church. It's easy to read this text as a checklist. Feed the hungry, check. Help the poor, check. Visit the sick, check. Oh good, I'm on the right hand. I suggest to you this morning that Matthew 25 is more than a checklist. It's about far more than being judged to be righteous. It's about far more than what we do. The words that Jesus uses here are profound and they are radical, and we need to hear them as he speaks them. Whatever you do to the least, you do to me. 
Jesus is found in the faces of the poor, the oppressed, the underprivileged, the unwelcome, the unloved. These words invite us to do more than host family night, or mentor a child, or provide our parenting class, or open our doors for the homeless on Tuesday night. Those are all good and worthy things. But I really think that this text asks us to think about who we are, why we do what we do, and for whom do we do it. At its core, it's about who we can be, who we will be, how we live, not just why we do things. On the way here on Sunday mornings, I often listen to NPR. I usually only get about 15 minutes, and I'm usually traveling at about 7.30 in the morning. So it's Kristen Tippett on Being is her show, and she's usually talking to something, someone about spiritual matters. And this morning, she was talking to Father Gregory, who is well known for his efforts against gangs in Los Angeles for many, many years. This has been his ministry. And someone asked him the question, once we write a check, what else can we do? What else do we do? And he gave the answer that we can be in relationship. We can remember that we're all kin. There is a kinship among us. Blessed be the tie that binds. Many of you know that hymn by heart. In the words of Mother Teresa, if we have no peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. The only difference between the sheep and the goats in this story is what they did. You see, neither the sheep nor the goats knew to whom they did it. The sheep fed the hungry and visited the sick because they went to church on Sunday and they heard a really good sermon from the minister and they went out motivated. (laughs) So they said, okay, we're going to feed the hungry this week. And the goats, the goats heard the same sermon. But instead of being motivated, they just felt weary and they said, you know, I I worked at a homeless shelter last year. I'm I'm just tired. I got to take care of my family this year. I got to take care of myself. Both the sheep and the goats were too busy or too blind or in too much of a hurry to understand what was really being asked of them. Jesus asks us to look into the face of the one we feed or the one we visit or the one we clothe, and see in that face the face of Jesus. That's what's really being asked of us. Not just to do good, but to find Jesus in the good we do. And when we do that, then we will be giving every human being the dignity that they deserve because they, like us, are made in the image of God. 
And they deserve dignity, not because of who they are or what they're doing or not doing, but simply because they belong to God. Mother Teresa went out on the streets of Calcutta every day because she saw not lepers, but Jesus in the face of those lepers. And she saw not just hungry and homeless and dirty people, but she saw Jesus in their faces. She saw a need, and she did something about that need. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples then and to all of us now. Jesus spent his time with the people that were all out of other options. Jesus spent his time with the lowliest in society, with the untouchables, with those that nobody loved. And he invited his disciples to do the very same thing. Care for the widows and the orphans. Care for those who have no voice, no agency, no rights in our society. Provide for the homeless. Find care for the mentally ill. Visit the old people. Welcome the transgender youth. Open doors for gay couples. If you want to see the face of God, look into the face of those who are most vulnerable in today's society. Look into the face of that child that almost tripped you in coffee hour. Look into the face of the man that stopped you in the parking lot and asked you if you had a couple bucks. In Matthew 25, Jesus does not say, when you feed the certifiably hungry, the people that are really hungry and not just pretending to be, you fed me. When you visit the sick who aren't contagious, you visited me. And when you went to prison to see the woman who was unfairly incarcerated, you visited me. There are no contingencies placed on who Jesus wants us to feed and clothe and visit. It is every single human being, even the ones that have committed the most heinous of crimes. Treat every individual with the dignity that they deserve because when you look in their face, you will see Jesus. The king we gather to worship on this Sunday and every Sunday is not some king off in a castle protected by all the guards, untouchable, remote. The king we worship is the king that walked the same path we walked. He knows hurt. He knows sorrow. He knows pain. He knows betrayal. He knows what it is not to belong and what it means to be bullied. In the 1930s, there was a woman by the name of Dorothy Day who was a social activist. She worked closely with another activist to establish the Catholic Worker Movement. This was a nonviolent, pacifist movement that provided food for the hungry and the homeless and also acted on a political front to change the root causes of poverty and homelessness. Dorothy Day once said, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. 
I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. I wonder who I love the least. I wonder who you love the least. Is it the mentally ill homeless man that mutters to himself or to the light post as he walks along Vale Street? Is it the man or the woman that sexually harassed you in the workplace? Is it the family who covered up the death of an 18-month-old until she was found under a couch? Is it your child who just told you she's a lesbian? Is it your son who just told you he feels more like a daughter than a son? Who do we love the least? Who do we prefer to ignore? On whom do we turn our backs? We live in a really complicated and messy world. It's hard to figure out what's going on. It's not just the rapid change in technology, but it's the rapid change in what's accepted in our culture. And the older we get, the harder it is to figure out what what all this change is and what it means. Our daughter, Jenny, is studying to be a minister. And uh, she was doing her best while she was here on Thursday to bring me into the 21st century. (laughs) Oh, those seminary students, they think they're so smart. (laughs) So first of all, she told me, we have to stop saying brothers and sisters in church. I said, what? Now, now listen to all that I'm going to say, because it's going to be really hard, because it was hard for me. But this is part of what Alex talks about when he says we have to adapt. So Jenny says we have to stop saying brothers and sisters because there are people in church who may not identify as either a brother or a sister. There are people in our world who are not he or she anymore. They prefer to be called they. So Jenny said, we need to change our language. And she says to me, Mom, I know you're near retirement. (laughs) But you still have to do your part. You have to change the language in the church, because otherwise there's not going to be a church. We have to say children of God, so that everybody feels welcome and included. Now, as we get older, and sometimes even as we are younger, we hear things like that, and we just... Oh my gosh, it's exhausting, isn't it? It is exhausting. And we think, I can't. I can't do it. I can't keep up. Or, or we think, and I, I've been guilty of this, oh, come on. Those people just need to get over it. But that's not what Jesus wants us to do. That's not the attitude that Jesus invites us to have. Jesus is teaching us that when we distance ourselves from others, when we forget that we all belong to each other, by refusing to try to understand another perspective, or because we're just too worn out, or because we are completely and utterly burned out with compassion, Jesus tells us that when we allow apathy to grow in our hearts in place of God's love, 
and we begin to believe that our actions have no real consequence in this world, then we are failing at being his disciples. When we become apathetic or think that what we think or do doesn't matter, we are failing to be the disciples that Jesus calls us to be. So all you children of God out there, as hard as it is for us to believe and accept this as the truth, all people matter to Jesus. And what also matters to Jesus is how we behave towards these people and towards the countless others that we prefer to ignore or avoid. And yes, I have crossed the street too to avoid people. But Jesus is inviting us to active love. Jesus teaches us that what and whom we choose to do and to be makes a difference. He tells us clearly and forcefully as he separates the sheep from the goats that those who think there are no consequences to their action or inaction are sadly mistaken. Because when we do it or fail to do it to the least of these, we have done it or failed to do it to Jesus, our King. In a world that seems too big, too messy, too complicated to be changed, our lives and our choices, hear this very clearly, our lives and our choices have more consequence and meaning than we can imagine. It is our choices that will shape the future, the future of the church, and the future of the world. Our choices are critical. And even more important is the fact that we make choices motivated by the love of God that we have experienced in our own lives. And I think everybody that's sitting in here this morning can think of times when they have experienced the unmerited grace, favor, and love of God. We need to own those experiences of God's love and then release it into the world. How we choose to spend our time and how we choose to actively love and actively ignore indicates our own well-being. It indicates the depth of our own relationship to Jesus Christ. We love because we are filled to overflowing with God's love. We can reach out and touch the untouchable because we know God's grace. We can feed the hungry and visit the sick and go to the prisons and clothe the naked and welcome the transgender and the homosexual because God has done all those things for us. In Matthew 25, the unrighteous are as shocked and surprised as the righteous. 
When did we see you and not do something for you? Because, believe me, Jesus, I want to be there for you. What the king wants is a natural overflowing of the love that we have been given. Not calculated efforts designed to project a certain image. Okay? Not doing things because we heard a good sermon in church and were motivated to do them this week, but maybe not next week. Or not doing things because we think it's what good Christians do but doing things because we recognize that the God of life and love resides in us and has done these things for us. In other words, as great as Family Night is, and it is a great program, it is only the beginning. It cannot be our ending. We cannot stop. And as wonderful as it will be when we make our $1.3 million budget this year, and I know we will make that budget because I know that we have the resources to do that, and as wonderful as that will be, we will not have reached the end. There is still more that we can give, and there is more need that can be filled. The criteria for being a Matthew 25 church are pretty basic. Number one, do we see Jesus Christ in the face of the other? And number two, do we give away ourselves in God's name? Do we give away ourselves in God's name? Often when I call for the offering, I'll say, give not only out of your abundance, but out of your need. Do we give away ourselves in God's name? Will we be that church? Will we see the face of Jesus in Rosa, one of our homeless women that has hung around this church for over 10 years, and sometimes she sneaks in and goes to the pads area and takes things that she's not supposed to take? Will we see Jesus' face in her face? Will we see the face of Jesus in the woman lying on her sleeping bag on our church steps on a Sunday morning? Will we see the face of Jesus in the people that line up, line up on Eastman on Tuesday night for pads? And will we see the face of Jesus in those we turn away from pads because they do not qualify? Will we see the face of Jesus in the bearded man muttering to himself or to an invisible stranger as he walks down the street? And when we see the face of Jesus, what exactly will we do? What will I do? What will you do? What will we do together? Will we fight for housing for the mentally ill? Will we go down to the city hall and and rally for the homeless? Will we visit those in prison? Will we set an extra place at our table? How will we give ourselves away in love for the sake of God? Instead of judging, 
we can work for understanding. And when we can't get to understanding, we can just accept or allow others to be who they are. Instead of obsessing about ourselves and our own needs, we can worry about the needs of others. Because the fundamental truth about the king we worship is that Jesus is a king of love. And the only way to really live is to really love. And the only way to really love is to open ourselves to the reality that the face of Jesus can be found in every single person we encounter. Jesus invites us to practice true religion. Religion that transforms our lives. Religion that heals the hurting and broken places in our own lives, in our own church, and in our world. Religion that allows us to see the face of Jesus in the people we love, in the people we don't love, in the people that nobody loves. When we practice this kind of religion, we build God's kingdom. When we practice this kind of religion, we are choosing love so that we can be the light that changes our world. May it be so for you and for me. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.